Hey universe, today's day of the word, day of the word, word of the day. I will admit I just smoked about four really good resin hits, so I'm not like old school resin. I mean that golden sappy resin. Let's see, those were two tangy and two, uh, what was the other one? Oh, green crack, right. So day of the word it is, and that day is gratuitous. And the word will be Thursday. <clears throat> yeah, nice. You're welcome. Because today's word, gratuitous, and day, Thursday, are syncing up. And hey, it is 12-22-22. Seriously. Five twos. With an ace. I mean... How did I not mention that earlier? And here we sit on episode 243, I believe. Um, I'm not all that sure on the episodes anymore. Actually, I think this is 244 now that I think about it, because I think this is number 32 of I Could Be Wrong. And there's definitely some I Could Be Wrongs coming. About time I got back on topic, right? Seriously. My themes uh, are just bullshit, just so we're clear. I never am really coming up with a theme to stick to. I'm coming up with a theme in the moment that sounds quirky and somewhat clever, and then I go with it. And then I think, well, if it was quirky and clever enough, it was worthy of being an entire uh, section. So, I could be wrong. Fell right in. I could be wrong, but I bet I'm making a bunch of noise with all this paper I'm moving around. Go, G.O.G. Por favor. See. Si. Be right back. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to pause about seven more times. And that's what well, we're two minutes into the recording at this minute. And I say that because the topic material that I want to cover here, I'm knocking some things off my list, especially some things on my list that need to be knocked off prior to any kind of cooperative voice of uh, reason or temperance or just a sounding board. Um... In other words, I can't really mentally masturbate if there's another person in the room who I'm speaking to. That, by definition, is mental foreplay? I don't know. It's definitely none of the above. Because mental masturbation is strictly a one-on-one -on -one sport. And you have to be willing to play it in the way that you know you're about to say some shit it's probably ludicrous, but you want to kick it around because sometimes ludicrous leads to insight, sometimes insight leads to pathway, and when pathway is available, sometimes that should be taken. Or something like that. Make up your own four-step way to get through the terrain of the current dilemma you're suffering from. For me, the dilemma is sitting right at the top right corner of my 4 by. 20, whatever, the wallpaper note, the big note in the wallpaper. It's not in wallpaper. It's just tacked to the wall. It's like butcher paper tacked to the wall. Why am I telling you this? Don't know. Sorry, because I know you don't care. Moving along, there is a three-word phrase up there that says, girls, girls, girls. And right underneath it, it says, who the fuck is Nicole? 
want to tackle this one. But I know I have to. Especially because... What's up with girls, girls, girls? Now, of course, homage to the Beastie Boys. Duh. But walking back from that little white boy fan club. Um, uh, girls. And yes, that's a derogatory term for women. They are not girls. I only had a few girlfriends. And I did have a few. In fact, my first girlfriend was in sixth grade. I want to say it might have been fifth grade. And um, I can't even remember how nervous I was asking her on the phone if she would go with me. Because I guess that's what we thought was the significant commitment terminology for somebody that was your sixth grade committed other. And she was even in a different school. We only met because we were in the Christmas recital for elementary school production together at some local playhouse. And I played piano and she played flute. And uh, we actually ended up going to high school together. But that was my first girlfriend. And first girl I kissed, see, I think that was sixth grade. Because I think the first girl I kissed was fifth grade in a game of spin the bottle. Jenny Lynch. Sorry, Jenny. But, um, I mean, I'm not sorry. I just said your last name. That's mostly why I'm sorry, but I'm sure that's not your last name anymore, nor would anybody be able to find you, including me. So, whatever. That said, I was always easygoing with everybody, including girls, until girls started to matter. And by matter, I mean to my friends. And it's not like I didn't have crushes on girls. I did. But my friends, one in particular, Mr. Andrew, started having crushes in like third grade on sixth graders. And this isn't unusual, I guess. But I didn't. I didn't give a shit. I mean, I certainly wasn't into girls in a romantic sense other than hoping to get Valentine's cards back from them with better candy than the ones I gave them. So <clears throat> there was no real, there, there was absolutely no, if, if we're all taking our shirts off together in some physical exam, I am disinterested in all of it. There's no sexual um, urge or even girl urge for me until at least sixth grade and probably a little bit of fifth. But the girl urge in sixth grade was really because I was had a huge crush on this flutist as a pianist. And I know that sounds awfully fucking stuffy for a sixth grader, but she told me she liked the way I played the piano. And that turned me on that somebody would like the way I made music. You know what I mean? Like the crush was, was ethereal says everybody, that first crush. No, it wasn't, it wasn't. It was just some girl in fucking some other school played the flute, and I was playing the piano, and she had a new wave haircut, and I was just, got, got in love with her. Because all we ever did was talk on the phone. I think we went to the mall together once. I know we did. So we had one date, and we went together for the entire summer of 
No, no, no. We broke up in the summer. That's right, because I came back from California with my little glass ornament that I was going to give her. And she had a friend call me and broke up with me. She didn't even do it herself. Yeah. And then I didn't see her again until high school. And we never dated in high school. But we were friends. I mean, she's, she's a cool girl. And she was a girl. But I was trying to think post-college. And in college, girls turn into women. Like, boys turn into dumber boys. But girls turn into women. And some girls turn into women in fucking junior high. But by college, they're all turning into women. If not well on their way, if not well already there. So, the women of my life start with my first relationship out of college. I was trying to think of all the women I could have married in life. And I, I came up with seven. And, and it would have been absolutely reasonable for me to have married all seven of these. I came up with another, let's say, 15 that were candidates that had I stupidly gotten them pregnant and we ended up married, would have worked out. And then I came up with another 20-ish wild cards. And then I couldn't think of all the one-night stands, but let's just say none of that was reasonable. So <clears throat> let's start there with quantity. Um, I don't know if being able to name 60 ex-girlfriends is a lot, but it felt like a lot. And these were women who I dated for months to years. and Well, to 20 months. Nobody did I ever date more than 20 months, and I dated six women to the 20-month mark. Which is fucking weird. I agree. And yet, the reason the 20-month mark was always problematic was because by that time, whatever charades and cheating and shit I was pulling was unwinding because I'm a terrible liar over the long haul. I can bluff you. I can get away with today's lie, but sustaining it, I get high and I forget that I'm even lying. And then I say something and it's like, wait, what'd you just say? <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I, I, it's just why I ever thought I could live a de deviant life is ridiculous because sooner or later, or later I give myself away. So that's another reason that I love embracing truth is how not giving anything away there ever is. If I said something wrong, I believe you, because I've heard myself misspeaking these recordings so much that I have to think misspeaking is part of at least my composition. So I guess I can be uh, too inattentive to my own communication with somebody to 100% guarantee I've always said exactly that which I meant to convey. But... I still stand behind everything I say, even if I misspeak. There's got to be something there that pulled that out, right? I mean, so nothing do I look at with the kind of idea that how can I CYA the situation in case I get called to the, you know, uh, to my uh, lack of uh, preparation here. Uh, what's my excuse? How do I get out of this? That used to be how I went about everything. So there's reason number one that I uh, am still single and will remain single, I'm sure, forever. Because I was always tactically playing games in my favor with everybody, my family even. I mean, this was a sick way to live. But I was such a, uh, 
walking too many fucking charade lines player at my worst to hold any of it coherently together. I basically just bottomed out in a pile of drugs and, and brokenness and, and disrespect for myself and, and failures from professional to gambling to all relationships. And when I did it, well, it was a weird hubris to still be holding on to, I can make this better. Rather than wanting to rebuild something completely from ground up, I kept wanting to solve the issues that were in my life, collapsing it. And I never, ever figured that part out with relationships. In fact, I quit relationships a decade ago. For the best. Trust me. <laughs> and trust, you don't have to look far. You could ask one, if maybe you'd have to go to a second. But there'd be no further than that for people to say, yeah, trouble, trouble. If you wanted to dig into my past and ask how things went. So with all that in mind, in fact, probably the number one reason, no, it's the number two reason. The number one reason I pulled out of the game thinking I was um, broken was the way I treated my family. The number two reason was the way I treated my girlfriends. So this is territory where I'm at my worst. And I said something recently that I actually really liked because it was so dead on and I'd never really thought about it before. But I was always a great boyfriend in the now. If all we're dealing with is what's going on right now, you will love me. It's when there's anything to deal to do with long-term planning that I will let you down, period. Now, the cheating, I don't really understand the cheating, other than to say I'm a bonobo monkey who doesn't believe in commitment, which I think is true. I think the whole time I was trying to be somebody's boyfriend, I knew in my heart, this isn't going to last. No matter who you were, and I dated some fantastic women. I mean, A-pluses. And somehow I just knew never was it going to be enough. Kids, I think, would have been enough. But it would have had to happen in the right five-year period where I was stable enough to have committed to somebody and then made it happen. So there was only a very small window for that to work out. Any other time, I'm going to be a deadbeat dad. So there's reason number two that I'm still single. Because going into everything, I think I knew coming out, I was going to, and things were going to end. I never, ever believed in forever. Uh, number three, the cheating was always because I get excited about everything. And I get overly excited about sexual attraction. Especially to vibrant and engaging co-pilots they're hard to resist and I was working in situations where I was constantly surrounded by single young women being a single young man like restaurants bars whatever <clears throat> and I'm a poon hound if we're going to be honest because I spent so much of my time trying to fix what was broken inside me by trying to find somebody else to make me work correctly so chase down every good lead I did. And I was awfully persuasive with my in-the-now ways of 
enchanting people. I am wiser now. I understand why I was weak. What made me chase down completeness in relationships that were jagged and broken. And, uh, and yet I'm still terrified to talk to anybody with romantic intention. I don't even do it. I sometimes feel myself flirting and it makes me uncomfortable to recognize that it's happening. But I'd say I've been somewhat less restrained on myself at work. Just more fun and, um, I don't want to say personal, but more interpersonal with some people who I'm friends with now. I've been working there almost a year again. And you spend enough time with people, you get to know them. And I've been really close with some of the guys, but I've been really not close with some of the women intentionally. And plus, I don't like to sleep with people at work. It's never worked out. It's a stupid thing to do. And if you're dipping your pen in company ink, you're asking for trouble. Every fucking time. So I'm not even really... Uh, <laughs> there, there would be no follow-through. Like, flirting at work is for fun. But for me... It's like saying, yeah, playing uh, poker in the back room for toothpicks is no big deal. Uh, okay. I really shouldn't be doing that, though. Just like I shouldn't be flirting at work. So I don't flirt at work. But I get flirted with at work all the fucking time. <laughs> and lately, I've been a little more reciprocal. And a couple of the uh, flirtatious uh, conversations have been fun. And today's was off-the-charts fun, talking about uh, Arconian system uh, dwelling and uh, the Egyptian land plot that uh, we failed to manage crops on. I mean, we were just having fun. And I forgot what it's like to be friends with a woman. <laughs> I mean, maybe I've never been friends with a woman, so that's probably something I can't really remember if I never forgot it. But... I think maybe I'm finally at a point in life where I don't have to inevitably think either we go to bed or we never speak again with all my female friends. And that's kind of the drama queen that I used to be. In fact, today, as I left work, I thought, I might be making my first two real female friends. <laughs> and I, and I, was, I was really happy about it, that I knew I had changed enough to welcome that, to want it, and to know that actually that's really the outcome of proportional um, universal win-win. If anything in life I've forced, it's my relationships with women. And I don't mean I've forced myself on women, but I've forced myself into every situation I could, looking for a fit. Never thinking I was the broken piece. Well, actually, no, I guess I knew I was a broken piece. But I always thought I was creatively broken, or artistically broken, or philosophically broken. The kind of broken that is hauntingly attractive. <laughs> oh, I wish I was making something like that up. I'm sure at some point in my life I've thought that. And 
it's so pathetic to think instead of trying to figure out how broken me could find jagged you and come together in a way that we could roll around like some clumpy heart of barely beating life. No, I couldn't just go out and fix myself. Well, the note right below that, who the fuck is Nicole? Nicole's the one broken piece that rolled into my universe that could have fixed me. She tried twice. And should have succeeded the first time. By the second time, I was too far gone. But I didn't know how good Nicole was going to make my life. How much Nicole was there to give me. And how much, by giving back to Nicole, I was going to expand myself. And become something really, truly wonderful in partnership with her. I missed all of that. I've been shown plenty of it. So I know that's my big mistake in life. Is the universe gave me my soulmate and I said, I'd rather not. And my soulmate fought for me and I said, you're not fighting hard enough. So, Nicole... If you're listening, which of course you're not, first, I miss you. And I always will. But. uh, You made me understand. That. I didn't. I didn't have to be weak. That I wasn't. Die cast. Into a position of passive participant. You activated me. And for that, I'll always thank you. So, when I describe this as possibly a love letter to Nicole, well, Every woman who was unfortunate enough to grab my attention in a way that I tried to make it fit always ended up probably more broken in the experience than they deserved. But nobody got that story more than Nicole. So... I've learned... A lot since then. And. In many ways. I've tried. To show. 
just how much of that is here now to do good things in the universe. And I know wherever Nicole is, she's doing great things in the universe. I'm just glad. Uh, I'm glad finally that maybe I can match the potential that she always saw in me. I don't know why it took the hardest possible route for me to figure out some of the simplest things in life. But having gotten there in a way that feels at least earned, well, I still have some people to really thank for helping me along the way. And Nicole's either one or two on that list. So... That's who fucking Nicole is. <laughs>